Come Holy Spirit. Kindle the fire within us. Open the eyes of our hearts and see through them. Open our lips and speak through them. Set our souls on fire. Please be seated. Good morning, friends. Good morning. All right, take your boats in. Are you all doing okay with all that rain? Good. Okay, check in with your neighbors, right? Do that sometime today. Make sure everybody's doing okay. That's what God wants us to do. Send out those lifeboats. Be the people in the lifeboats helping each other out. So don't forget that. Work for us to remember. Um, um, maybe I'm speaking to the wrong audience here. Maybe I'm asking the wrong people this. You ever have a senior moment? <laughs> ever? <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Blessed art thou who have senior moments. Yes, right? Yeah, those are, those are good reminders, right? They make us humble. Um, is it possible that, like, a community itself can have kind of a senior moment? Right? Not just an individual, but a whole group of people kind of have a senior moment where they kind of forget something and, and have to be reminded or suddenly remember why they are, who they, you know, why they do what they do and, and who they are. That kind of collective senior moment. Um, here's, here's perhaps an example of that. Now, this is just being a little bit kind of silly, but I'll get to uh, hopefully making a point out of it. Um, in the chapel... At the Shutter House Seminary, Chapel of St. Mary the Virgin, there's a wonderful pulpit on one side, and on the other side is a lectern where they do all the readings from. And there's this kind of highly ritualized way of doing worship that, that the seminary went to, highly ritualized, where everything is kind of, it's, it's, it's emphasizing precision and, and routine and, and not doing anything that's out of the norm. Everybody dressed the same, everybody turns the same way. We do all these things kind of like one body. So this lectern that you're reading at, we're there several times a day. It's morning and evening prayer and some of the things that we do. And, and there's a light, right? A light like on, like on um, a lectern, right? You, you turn the light on so you can see your manuscript. And, and without fail, right, the seminarian comes over to do the reading. And it doesn't matter how bright it is outside or how dark it is inside. The first thing they do is they turn the lamp on. There's an audible click. Then they introduce the reading and they do the reading and then they'll say the, the conclusion, you know, here ends the lesson or whatever the appropriate ending is and it's always click. And you can always hear that. Always hear the clicking noise. And then they go and they sit down. Now there was a time in which there was something with the wiring not working right. Kind of amazing we had electricity in the place in the first place, you know, but, you know, but, but the, the, the lamp wasn't working like, but without fail. Seminarian gets up for the reading, walks over, click, no light, does the reading, and after concluding the reading with the concluding words, goes, click. <laughs> and you might think that well, that's just part of the liturgy. <laughs> it's the holy click. <laughs> kind of a collective amnesia that sets in. And you go, well, that's not really necessary. That's not the point. The point is not to make the click noise to begin and end the reading, right? It's part of some other thing. And, and But I think that's the thing that sometimes faith communities, sometimes the people of God can forget, can forget. They forget 
what God has told us. They forget why we do what we do. And I think that's what happened with God's people in the Sabbath. That's what happened with God's people in the Sabbath. Something that was fundamental to their identity, something that was fundamental to, to who God revealed God's self as, but they forgot. And the danger for the church is that we forget. The danger for God's people is that we forget about why we are called to do the things we do. So um, the Sabbath, right? That's, that's an important thing for God's people. And today we hear Jesus healing on the Sabbath and defending the picking of grain and eating on the Sabbath, right? It's, it's an important thing. Now, I want you to understand how absolutely this important is by taking you through a little bit of history. A little bit of history. Um, some of us have Bibles that have these, these strange books in there, Maccabees, right, and Tobit, right, and these other ones, and, and this thing that's called the Apocrypha, right? If you've got a Catholic Bible, you're from a Catholic tradition, you know about those, are considered deuterocanonical or apocryphal books. If you have a good study Bible, like an Oxford study Bible, those are in there. They weren't part of the Protestant canon, but the Catholic Church still has those in their Bible. That's one of the differences between Catholic and a, and a Protestant tradition. Those, those writings, in particular from, from the, the stories of the Maccabees, are this period of 300 or so years before Jesus appeared. It's a time when the Jewish people were being dominated by the Greeks. Alexander the Greek had expanded his empire, and Alexander died at like 34. He's trying to be a rock star, I think. You know, he has to die young, so people will remember him in Paris. <laughs> but Alexander dies, and his, his empire is divided up among some of his generals. And there are these Greeks who are in the area that now is Damascus and Syria. That's where their, their land is. And they're oppressing the Jewish people, wanting to turn the Jewish people Greek because they wanted a Greek-speaking and Greek-cultured people like they were to serve as a buffer between them and the Egyptians. And so one of their, one of their kings, a guy named Antiochus, was a bad character. And what he wanted to do was try to really sort of do away with Jewish tradition and Jewish culture and make all these people Greek. So he started forbidding some of their important practices. And so for a Jewish person, the mark of the covenant, circumcision, that is a vital part of who you are, of your identity. You circumcise your children because that's the mark of the covenant. And to be people of covenant means that you carry that mark in your flesh. The males do. Lucky for the women. <laughs> So um, Antiochus outlawed circumcision. And anybody who would circumcise their child, they would kill the child. Serious penalties for this. What do you do as a faithful Jew when you know that if you do this, which you feel is the proper thing to do, knowing that your child will be killed? People did it, their children were killed. Antiochus ordered that all their Torah, their copies of Holy Scripture, be burned. Anybody <laughs> caught with these scriptures? Death. Imagine for us, right, if somebody said, you can't have your Bibles. You can't celebrate Eucharist. You can't wear a cross. There will be no Christmas. There will be no Easter. 
all these things outlined, right? And, and you go, well, how would we respond? Antiochus outlawed their temple worship. And imagine, right, you know, if you know the Old Testament, you know how many, and, or even the New Testament, all those times that Jesus and God's people would gather in Jerusalem for all those feasts that they celebrated that required people to go to Jerusalem. That was outlawed. He came into the temple and he sacrificed pigs on the altar. And he outlawed the Sabbath. He outlawed the Sabbath. The Jewish people revolted under Judas Maccabee. That's why we have the book of the Maccabees. This is the story of that, of that king Antiochus and what Antiochus did, and the death of a large number of people who fought against that. And ultimately, under the Maccabees, the Jewish people found again their independence. And that great Jewish festival of Hanukkah is a rededication of the temple, where they went back into the temple and cleaned it up and rededicated the temple to God after what Antiochus had done to defile the temple. That's Hanukkah. This is really important, really important. It's part of what it means to be a Jewish person. And somebody tried to take that away. I'm wondering, us as Christians, do we have those things that are that dear to us? <clears throat> or what about as Americans, right? As Americans, are there things that we would say, you know, these are the things that represent who we are? Representations. But I want you to remember that these are representations and there's always some other value that lies behind them, right? There's some, there's some set of values, there's some principles, there's some revelation of God's truth that lies behind these things and the representations of those truths. And the problem is when people forget the truth that's behind it and start worshiping and idolizing its representation. Okay, did you hear that right? <clears throat> okay. Anglican Bishop Tom Wright. Biblical scholar. Widely published leading authority in, in scriptural studies in the Anglican world. I commend him to you. He's got a number, a number of fantastic books. He says that what Jesus is doing in these scriptures is confronting a kind of cultural amnesia where there are people who are self-appointed among God's people who have decided that it is up to them to enforce the Sabbath law. Because the Sabbath law is what must be enforced. Not because of what it represents, not because of the truth behind it, but because of some other reason. You see, practicing the Sabbath came to be something that was not just, well, this is God's blessing to us, and we do it to remember God's blessing but became something that was exclusionary. Sabbath is what identifies you as God's people. And if you are not God's people, you do not practice Sabbath. It creates an exclusive community that claims to themselves that they and they alone are God's people. And God never said that. 
It creates this exclusive community where people start saying, we are the Jews and you're not. And then within the Jewish community, it starts defining who's a good Jew, who's a patriotic Jew, and who's a traitor. Who's good and who's bad? And you think about the world that we live in now. The divisions that we have among God's people. That's a good Christian, that one not so much. That person's a patriotic American, that one not so much. We're not so different. We're not so different. But you think about what does scripture tell us about why we have Sabbath? One explanation, there are two explanations for Sabbath. One of them goes back to the Genesis story. Six days of creation, then God checked into the Motel 6 for the weekend. <laughs> right? Not because God needed it, right? Not because God needed it, because God wanted to tell us something. Wanted to tell us something. That we needed. God, holy God, saying to all of you, you will be holy people. You will follow my way. I don't need a rest, but if I take one, you know what you're going to do? You're going to take one too. And you're going to take one too. This is the God of all creation. This is the God that's responsible for everything. As much as, we might, as much as we might want to say that, you know, I did it. It's mine. It's me. I did it. Well, all the everything you had to accomplish that, where'd that come from? You can't get away from it. Right? As Christians, we confess that God creates all things. It's all his. Or hers. Okay? God creates all things. And I think the Sabbath is a reminder to God's people that God is the creator. That God takes a break. And you can take one too. And the world will be okay if you stop what you're doing. All the worries that you have, you can take a break from those. The world is in God's hands, always has been, always will be. All your concerns, all your plans, as much as you might fight against it, the truth of that creation story is that God makes it all. You can take your rest, and God still has everything in his hands. That's good news. That's good news. Jesus is trying to show people that. He's trying to show people. God is a generous provider. Generous provider. He's leading his disciples. They're going through grain fields. They're hungry. We need some food, right? There it is. There it is. Have some food. But wait, it's the Sabbath. Well, what better day to feed the poor than on the day that reminds us that God provides for all? But you see, the people who forgot the whole purpose of Sabbath just want to emphasize the rule that good Jews, good God people, don't do that. Well, in fact, good God people do do that. <clears throat> because they're practicing what God is in feeding the hungry. Remembering that God provides. You know, there's a second explanation we've heard about. 
right in our reading this morning, a second explanation for, for practicing Sabbath. At one time, the people of God were enslaved and didn't have rest or freedom. And God set us free. Because we're meant to be free children of God, not slaves. And a few of us might think about the things that we're enslaved to, though. Although it's not God's way. Enslaved to our reputation, standing in community, stock market reports, whatever it might be. Maybe it's failing health that has us enslaved. And Jesus shows up on the Sabbath day, and he shows us that God is a God who sets us free. There's a man there with a withered hand. And Jesus says, stretch out your hand, and the man is healed. On the Sabbath day. The perfect day for healing. Not the day when you're supposed to do nothing. Do nothing on another day. <laughs> do nothing on another day. The Sabbath day is for remembering who God is. The God of all creation. And the God who is a God of redemption. The Sabbath day is a wonderful day for redeeming. A wonderful day for new life. A wonderful day. But we forget. We forget. And in that forgetting, we deform what is a gift of God. The story of Hans. Hans was an outstanding tailor. If he wanted the best tailor, best fitting suit, you had to go to Hans and everybody in the region knew it. You could tell by looking at somebody's clothes that they had been to Hans. Because everything was perfect. Just as you were. Perfect. Well, Hans was kind of a little bit senior in years and wasn't quite so good anymore and was just having a bad day, perhaps. Maybe some senior moments were a little bit more frequent than, than they had been. And he produced this suit that was not up to Hans' standards. One arm twisted one way. The other arm twisted another direction. How in the world do you do that? I don't know, but Hans accomplished it. The jacket was all kind of cockeyed, and, and one shoulder was big and puffy and stood out, and the other one was kind of short, didn't go where it was supposed to, and, and kind of sunk in. But it was a Hans. So the customer went and got the Hans suit and put it on and managed to kind of twist himself into this ill-fitting jacket and wanted to be seen because it was a Hans. Got on the train and, and was heading home all kind of, you know, gnarled up like this, and, and somebody said, oh, he's got a Hans. <laughs> well, I knew Hans was good, but I didn't know Hans was a genius. That Hans could make a suit to match your deformed body. <laughs> Man, I might need a Hans one day. <laughs> I think what Jesus wants us to remember is that God is a God who is a God who provides for our needs. And we celebrate the Sabbath in memory of that. Right? Not Sabbath for itself, but Sabbath for a witness to God's generous provision. I think Jesus wants us to remember Sabbath and practice Sabbath 
because it reminds us that God is a God of redemption, not practice Sabbath for the sake of Sabbath. Now, I know sometimes when you, when you look at a congregation, you're thinking about, well, what does this group need to hear? And, and maybe for a group like us where a lot of us are, are retired and it's not a problem of trying to find Sabbath time, right? It's not, it's not that so much as it might have been when we were younger. You know what I mean? Okay, not so much a, a, a trouble of finding that, that time to take Sabbath. But you know, Jesus shows us something. He sets an example for us. He's leading us through the grain field, and he's showing us what to do. <clears throat> he brings us among those who are bound by illness and other things, and he shows us what to do. I think what he's trying to tell us is that we should be Sabbath people, spreading Sabbath, spreading Sabbath, bringing Sabbath to those who need it. Maybe we don't personally need it. I think we do. But think about others around you who might need some Sabbath. Maybe it's your children who need some Sabbath. You might go down and give them the weekend off and make you good Sabbath people. Sound good? <clears throat> Maybe it's somebody who is caring for a loved one and they need a break. Right? Maybe you want to go give that person some Sabbath because we are Sabbath people. Maybe there are people you know who are like those who are with Jesus who are hungry and they have no food. And Jesus created Sabbath for them by bringing them to food. Go feed the poor. Take food to them. Maybe it's people who are homeless and they, just, they need a Sabbath from their homelessness. They've got a wonderful shelter over in Murphy. They need volunteers. Maybe that's the place where you go and serve as a person who understand Sabbath. Give it some thought. I think you'll find a place to serve and bring Sabbath blessing to someone in need. God's blessings be with you. Amen. Amen.